From MPB Think Radio, this is Everyday Tech, the tech show for everyday people. Kevin Farrell sitting in for Michelle McAdoo this week here with Wilt Cotrere, information technology expert at Newcor Steel and IT instructor at Holmes Community College, and Jeremy Thompson, owner of Computer Doctors and Phone Surgeons in Hattiesburg. Have you ever wondered what exactly the cloud is and what it does, but maybe you're too embarrassed to ask? Well, today we're going to lift the fog on the cloud and explain what it does and how it benefits you. Plus, we're taking your personal tech questions. To be part of the show, give us a phone call. The number is one mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Or email us at everydaytech at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. This is Everyday Tech, only on MPB Think Radio. mpbonline.org is the destination for everything Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Catch up on past shows from Think Radio, check out MPB TV or Music Radio, and become a sustaining member all from one place. Get connected now at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Everyday Tech. It's the tech show for everyday people on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell sitting in for Michelle McAdoo this week, and I'm here with Wilkes Gutrer, information technology expert at New Core Steel and IT instructor at Holmes Community College, and joining us via Skype, Jeremy Thompson, owner of Computer Doctors and Phone Surgeons in Hattiesburg. So have you ever wondered what exactly the cloud is and what it does, but maybe you don't know who or too embarrassed to ask? Well, today we're going to lift the fog on the cloud and explain what it does and how it benefits you. Plus, we're always taking your personal tech questions as well. So to join the conversation, give us a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show everydaytech at mpbonline.org. So, Jeremy Wiltz, good morning. How are you all doing this morning? Man, doing wonderful. How about yourself, Kevin? Uh, doing good. Glad to step in and uh, fill in for Michelle this uh, week. It was kind of funny, though. You know, most of my airtime comes in at 9 o'clock this morning, so it got to be 8.55, and I was like, gosh, Wilson's not here. What am I going to do? And I actually was getting <laughs> ready to set up in the studio, and Jason Klein, who is the host of the actual show that airs at 9 o'clock on Wednesday, came in, and I'm like, oh, gosh, wait a minute. I'm an hour early. So I panicked out, but uh, glad to have uh, you and uh, Jeremy with us uh, here today. Yeah. Yep, yes. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, how how things going down there in uh, in Hattiesburg, Jeremy? Things are going well. Uh, happy to hear that you were an hour early to work uh, for us. We appreciate your dedication, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, we're just you know, if, if you're an hour early, I I think I stroll in about fifteen minutes before. You know, to kind of make sure I'm, I'm I'm not a morning person in general. So, uh, Jeremy, what uh, what is the weather like in Hattiesburg? Are you getting uh, much uh, effects from uh, the hurricane? Oh, it's beautiful right now. Okay. Uh, it, it's not very hot. It, no, not a lot of wind. Uh, it really, really calm outside. Very, very nice. Very nice. Yeah, and I was talking uh, just a little bit before I came on in here, talking to a friend from down in Mobile, and they're saying they're seeing the same thing. It's not really all too bad there. Um, it seems like this this cold front that's sitting on top of all of us. It seems like it's really kind of, I guess, protecting us over on this side of the things. 
Well, obviously, thoughts to, to those uh, in the panhandle and the the Big Bend. That's another. I didn't realize that the curve in Florida is known as the Big Bend. But, uh, oh. you know, thoughts to those people there, because this really looks like uh, one of the more major uh, hurricanes that we have seen uh, here in the Gulf of Mexico in, in a long time. So I hope uh, that we can hope for the best for, for those. Uh, we always start out with uh, hot tech topics. Jeremy, do you have anything for us this morning? Oh, yeah, yeah. We got some big news in the world of processors. Intel is releasing a 5 gigahertz out-of-the-box processor. This is a pretty major deal. 5 gigahertz kind of like a magic number in the world of processing, the, the coveted number 5, um, without uh, having to use some absolutely ridiculous method of keeping your processor cool uh, in the past, it's not been possible to reach those temperatures unless you had a very sophisticated apparatus. Yeah, you're talking like getting into uh, some pretty serious liquid cooling and some other things just to be able to keep that under control. I think what we're seeing, we're pretty much a lot of things right now are just topping out in the threes, it seems like. Yeah, they stay in about the three and a half range. Uh, but this particular processor is, of course, a high end. Uh, this is an i9-9900K, uh, which means that it will be geared towards people that want uh, the absolute performance out of their machine as well as the ability to overclock it. But uh, this is this is pretty impressive. Uh, of course, we've only seen um, uh, benchmarks from companies that are affiliated with Intel or that Intel hired to do it. Um, but it won't be long, and we'll be able to see some actual out-in-the-wild benchmarks, and this is it's a pretty exciting time. Yeah, I'm hearing something about, what, 28 cores on it or so? Uh, no, this one's only got eight. Uh, um, this is, that's right. The, this the is 28 the, was the big rumor one. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they've definitely got their, their bigger ones, uh, but this was just the uh, the, the consumer model. Uh, most most consumer models at this point aren't, aren't going over eight cores. Once you once you breach the, uh, the magic number eight, you're getting into uh, bigger industry stuff. Uh, much much heavier uh, computing. So uh, who would who would need that much processing power? Um, uh, as far as the five gigahertz, yeah. uh, eight core or uh, sixteen core. Well, either one. Who? I mean, what? I mean, okay. To, to, uh, to the they, everyday Joe, what what does this mean? No, the everyday Joe is not really concerned with this so much. This is more for the people that are. Um, uh, overclocking their machines and and looking for uh, the absolute uh, highest performance that you can get out of it. So I would say gamers, um, people that do a lot of video editing, uh, they will see some benefits from a processor of this power. Of course, a lot of video editing also has uh, a video card that's attached to it too, um, and so do gamers. So it's not all about the processor, but um, it, it, it certainly helps uh, in a machine uh, get a lot done. Yeah, and then from the business side, where we're using a lot of these, when you start t hearing people talking about the very high speeds, the, the the multiple cores like that, we use that a lot in virtualization technology. So whereas I can take one physical server and run 10, 20, 30 or more um, virtual servers on top of that, really, to kind of stretch out how much that power can do. You know, in all honesty, except for whenever you are getting into those heavy gaming and, and audio video editing kind of things, you don't really see a lot of, at least in my experience, a lot of apps to the general consumer that really can take advantage of that many cores. Really, not all of them are, are multi-core aware, as we say. No, we're, we're definitely still uh, 
on on the brink of using all of that to its full potential, but there's there's a lot more development in that department. Um, it, but but Wiltz is right. If you have all these cores, but you don't have software capable of using them, then they're just kind of sitting there idle. But a lot of companies are taking advantage of those things, and and you're seeing more uh, more software adapt to those cores, and you're seeing uh, much faster computing come out of everyday applications. Um, as far as the everyman goes, I would say uh, probably having four cores on your processor is more than ample. Yeah, and just like and this is, I, I tell a lot of my students um, this. You know, you start wondering, like, oh, where's all this coming from? You know, what's it really? You know, benefiting folks on a day-to-day basis. You know, because let's face it, to a certain extent, for a lot of people, um, the computer has almost become a glorified typewriter. We don't really push it to what its full extent is, but things such as gaming, things such as um, this this editing and everything else, it really does drive the technology. And what we're ending up seeing, though, is even though you may not be using that level of power, there's another side effect that comes along with that because in order to run all that, you start talking about more efficient use of power. You start talking about higher-end graphics. You start talking about things that the everyday Joe does benefit from, and that is is that you know you can run a computer and it's running a lot less hot. You can actually get a more powerful, longer battery life, which we all kind of want. So. So even if you're not stretching out your technology to that latest and greatest multiple cores, super duper speed, you're still benefiting from that development because you are getting more efficiency and, and some other things. So it, it, it does kind of it, it pays its way back. It, it de- eventually filters down to the, the everyday user. Correct. Exactly. I was going to say there's sort of a trickle down effect where you, you see this advancement on these higher end ones. And then they sort of bring that down into the other generations as the uh, higher end is no longer higher end. So in this first part of the show, we talk about some of the hot tech stories of the week. But uh, throughout the hour, we're going to be talking about the cloud and uh, taking your everyday tech, uh, your tech questions. So give us a call. Get the phone lines lit lit up for us at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 So uh, anything else, Jeremy? Uh, as far as news in yeah. tech goes, yeah, um, we do have a lot of uh, uh, phones coming out. Google's releasing their Pixel three and three XL. Um, yeah, a other lot of really really big that. news. Sorry, what was that, Wilts? I was saying a lot of people up at work are talking about that that Google phone. Interesting. I, would, I, th- I thought most of the people up at your office used uh, iPhones. Well, really? from from the An business. Android? From the business side, we all use iPhones, uh, but from the personal side, we got some folks up there. In fact, I was talking to a gentleman, Ruben, yesterday, and, man, he he's already ordered his, his new Pixel. I mean, he is super oh, wow. excited about it. Yeah, Dedicated. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's like, and even Steven, who works with me up there, you know, his work phone is an iPhone, but his personal phone is an Android. So, you know, he's one of those. He's, you know, walking on both sides of the fence there. <laughs> so this one's kind of funny, the Pixel 3. Um because, you know, last year with the release of the iPhone X, uh, we saw the notch in the screen for the first time. You know, the little mm-hmm. dip up there where you put your ear. And uh, now the Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL will have a notch on it. Yeah, so, and everyone was giving them a hard time about a notch. But, hey, you know, there we go. The notch is leading the way. <laughs> well, I, you know, not everybody's adopting the old notch. And I, I, for one, I don't much see the point in it. Um. If you can pull it off without the notch, why why work the notch into it? But if people like the notch, that's cool. 
each his own notch. <laughs> I mean, I like nachos, so I mean, I guess it can't really be that bad, right? I mean, you know, nachos, my iPhone notch. Okay. <laughs> Kevin's like, we're really going downhill here on these cheesy jokes. Why don't we go ahead and take our first break? Uh, when we get back, we'll try to lift the fog on the cloud throughout this hour. If you have a cloud question or a general tech question, now's the time to ask. A reminder of our phone number, it's 1-877-MPB-RING, which is one 672 Or online, you can send an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Our experts are standing by, ready to give you some help. This is Everyday Tech, the tech show for everyday people on MPB Think Radio. MPBonline.org is the destination for everything Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Catch up on past shows from Think Radio, check out MPB TV or Music Radio, and become a sustaining member all from one place. Get connected now at MPBonline.org. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. And welcome back. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. It's the show for everyday people. I'm Kevin Farrell, in for Michelle McAdoo this week, here with Wilts Couture and joined via Skype with by Jeremy Thompson. Our topic today is the cloud. Uh, so if you'd like to join our conversation with a question about the cloud or your personal tech question, uh, give us a call this morning. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can always send an email to the show as well. It's everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Looks like we've got some calls lining up. So why don't we start in Mobile? Al has called in today. Good morning, Al. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. I've got Google Cloud backup, and uh, when I erase phone numbers to put a new phone number in, they go away. But then when I call it back up, I've got both numbers, and I assume it's the cloud backing that up. But I don't know how to get rid of the old numbers, and it's very confusing. Okay, this is kind of a tricky question because when it comes to your phone, there's a couple of different ways that you can display contacts. What kind of phone do you have? I have a Samsung S5, uh, uh, I think. Okay. Uh, this The directions for this may be slightly different, but if you go into your contacts, like you know the, the, the little icon that you click on that says contacts, you can also uh-huh. go uh, into your phone and see your contacts. Um, uh-huh. If you go into there, there somewhere is going to be uh, a, a menu, and you're going to go to settings, and it's going to ask you which contacts you want to display you need to see if you're displaying the contacts in your phone or in your google account because it sounds to me like you might be displaying both um Uh there's also the possibility that you need to um, log into your google account directly and delete that contact so you may want to try to just log in on the web browser and do it um it's possible that every time you've deleted that contact your phone has just resynced the contact back to your phone uh, so you yeah, may have to go to I the assume, source. To, you know, it's happening. Uh, how do I get into my Google account? So if you go to your Gmail account, 
Um, you can go to your contacts, and then you can remove the person from there. Um, You'd have to go online to do that, probably. To the, yeah. the website would be your best bet on that one. Okay, well, thank you. That's That answers my question. Sounds like I Absolutely. can actually do that. All right. All right. Hope you stay safe down there, Al. Thanks, Al, for your phone call. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We're talking about the cloud today, but also looking for your personal tech questions. Our buddy Alan from Brandon has called in this morning. Good to hear from you, Alan. Go ahead, please. Oh, hey, Kevin Wilson, Jeremy. I hope y'all are all doing well. Man, Thank you. yeah. Doing good. Yeah, I, 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 I'm just going to keep it simple and, and, and give my definition of the cloud. I mean, it, it's like anything else when the, when the marketing folks get a hold, of, a hold of a term. You know, you know, back in the day <laughs> with our computers, Everything was local for the most part. You know, we, uh, well, unless you were using dial up or something like that. But, uh, you know, you, you had a floppy drive to get information into it, and then we got hard drives, et cetera, et cetera. Now we're all connecting to computers that are other than our local establishment. That, you know, uh, uh, there's various ways to connect. And, and the way I think of the cloud is just all those computers that, that you're accessing that aren't at your, at your home site. So, uh, it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little tad leery of it because you're, you're obviously going to be paying somebody for the connecting service, and you're going to have to be, uh, whether you're using Dropbox or, or one of those kind of storage, uh, you know, accounts to, to store stuff, you got to pay for that too. So I, I'm still a big fan of having a like a USB hard drive to like back up to and things like that. I'm I, I, I'm not a big fan of stuff like Carbonite for for backing stuff up over the air. But but as more and more people are are streaming their content and getting video and music and stuff to these connected services, I guess that's that you keep hearing this cloud drum getting beaten louder and louder because uh, uh, that that's what more and more folks are doing. But just just be aware, you know, you can still do a lot of stuff from your home base. So that's how I think of the cloud. I hope I've got it straight in my mind. Otherwise, I'm just going to confuse people, I guess. But that's the comment I wanted to make. All right, Alan, yeah, good Alan, to hear from you. Well, yeah, I mean, I think you, I think you're pretty much dead on on that. It is uh, the the cloud is basically getting services from somewhere other than, well, for lack of a better way of putting it, in your living room. You're reaching out somewhere else to get it. So that could be uh, private and local. Um, so, say for example, if you were at your house and you have some of the newer devices that are able to, you know, store devices that all the computers in your house can get to. You have some little small storage like that. So you could be retrieving it from another computer in your home. Uh, if you're in a business, you could be retrieving it from within that business. So, you know, for us, we actually have a server room up there in the building, and we retrieve all our, you know, all the information is stored centrally, and we serve it out to the other people. Or across the internet, or what we call the wide area network. Uh, once you're hitting to the internet, you're reaching somewhere, and you may not know where you're reaching. I mean, we're we're seeing this, you know, not only in storing devices, but also in your video streaming services, say your Netflix or anyone else. Or even for that matter, you can go you know, to the MPB website and you can be listening to this show right now via the cloud, via our you know, assorted apps or being served up through the website. So that's actually a cloud service as well. So um, I think you're spot on, Alan. Things that are, are beyond you locally, if it's not right there in your hand, it's essentially being cloud served. Jeremy? Yeah, I, I I definitely agree. If it's uh, if it's being streamed to your phone, it is in some way going uh, through a cloud server of some kind. Um, as far as uh, the way that we think of it, you know, he was saying um, that he uh, he didn't really like it so much, um, and you know, there's a lot of reasons 
uh, but that might come down to as far as uh, the downsides of it. Is, you know, I have to store my data with somebody that I don't have any relation with. I, all, all I know is that I trust them to do what they say they're going to do with my data. Um, then you've got to worry about uh, whether is my it, is it really safe with these people? Is their equipment that they keep it on safe, or could they get hacked and my data be compromised that way? So there's a lot of a lot of risks that you have to think about, which is why you want to make sure that you're choosing a cloud provider that does offer encryption on their services, and uh, they do have um, multiple sites where they back up your data because you know we can always have a hard drive in our house. But if, you know, a hurricane or something comes through and wipes our house out, well, there goes our data. But if we have a cloud storage, then we always have that off, waiting, secure. Nothing can happen to it. It's even backed up on multiple drives in a server and possibly on multiple sites across the world or the United States. There's really no telling. But it's amazing how you can take something and put it out there, and then it, it, it's duplicated probably beyond what you or I can even comprehend because of the way it is secured. Yeah, and you know, you bring up an important point, Jeremy, and that is the security of things. And I think Alan was um, was right on on this as well. You've got to realize whatever, whenever you're giving out anything beyond your control, you do give up a little bit of security. I mean, I don't think we're telling any kind of secrets on that. Um, your thing to consider at that point is, what are you putting out there? And it, it, this goes all the way back to whenever we start talking about social media. What what of your personal information are you willing to share? Uh, when you start talking about your data, when you start talking about the backups on your drive, you you've got to think about those kind of things. You know, for example, a lot of us, myself included, we do our taxes digitally now, um, which means when I'm backing up anything on the line, that means that my tax records are actually going online outside of my physical control. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. What I am going to do, though, is that means I'm going to take a little bit of extra care to make sure that wherever I'm going to, I want to use a reputable company, for example. You know, your Googles, your Microsofts, your Amazons, they're reputable companies. Now, reality is we also know that reputable companies have a target on their back just like anybody else. So it is still, I feel like it's in our responsibility to at least take precautions for that. And realize that whatever you're putting on up there, when you are putting it outside your control, you do need to keep a, a hold on that. I mean, you can do things like, you know, we, you mentioned the word encryption. My tax records that actually go up and get stored in my Microsoft OneDrive are actually in an encrypted folder. I've taken an extra step, so even though it's on, it's outside of my physical location, I have a password that you have to have to get into it, and I feel pretty secure with that. And for those of y'all who might not know, encryption is just basically – Basically, think of it as scrambling it up, and if you don't know the right information to unlock it to to the normal Joe trying to look at it to get a hold of it, it just looked like garble. It won't even look like recognizable text. So, you know, think about those kind of little small things, and, and you can find a balance in there. Um, it's it's not a one size fits all, but it, it it does take a little bit of thought before you start putting your 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 data because at the end of the day, this equipment that we have, that's not the expensive point. The expensive items that we have is actually our data. It's those pictures of your kids that go all the way back to when they were born. It's those tax records. It's, you know, so much other information. It's the data that's actually valuable. And when uh, when you're talking about the uh, – I totally lost my train of thought, man. Um, well, let me ask this. Yes. <clears throat> Trivia question. Do we know how the cloud got named the cloud? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in in older models of the cloud, 
uh, they would just draw a like a in a model of a network. They would draw a cloud to signify a network outside of your network, which was usually the internet, but could technically be any network. I remember what I was going to say now. All right. Um, so for our savvy users who uh, who know how to take a file and encrypt it and then back that up to the cloud, that's great. But for our users who are not so savvy and don't want to go through those extra steps but still want some semblance of security, you want to look for a cloud provider that offers you end-to-end encryption because it will it – will, uh, when it stores it with that provider, it will store it in an encrypted uh, format, and the people that have your data only have a, a garbled chunk of your data because they do not have the password to decrypt it. So if you want that level of security but you don't want to have to go through all the trouble of encrypting it on your own computer, those are solutions available for you. And am I correct in saying that kind of the business model for a lot of this uh, early on is that the company will give you X amount of space for free, but then if you need more storage space is when they would begin to charge for it? Yeah, it very much like the Google, like kind of like the Google model. I mean, think about it. We may not have been calling it the cloud at the time a lot of people started getting into it, but when you started talking about having your free Gmail account way back whenever that was, that was a cloud service. And and you're absolutely right. They were giving you a little bit for free, and then they kind of, you know, oh, but if you want a little bit more, um, you know, iCloud with the iPhone, same thing. Everybody who has an iPhone, you automatically get five gig. If you want beyond that, you got to pay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot to do that, but you can just flat out buy. Um, so, Jerry, you were going to say something. I'm sorry I cut you off, brother. No, no problem. The ones, the ones that offer the services, the end-to-end encryption and those things, those are typically not ones that allow you any free storage mm-hmm. because of the sophistication of their models. I, I had to go and look for a client recently because they had this very issue. They had secure data. They were not real savvy, but they needed it to be secured. So I found uh, Sync.com, uh, which offers end-to-end encryption, and it also has an app for them to be able to pull up documents on their phones and stuff, and also sync across multiple devices. So it was a really good solution for them because they didn't understand a lot about what they needed their files to do, so they needed it to be more or less automatic. They also needed some damage control because from time to time, Somebody in your company may not necessarily know what they're doing, and they may accidentally delete some data or move it to another folder or whatever. Um, one of the issues I actually helped him with was that. So I was like, we need a, a solution where if somebody did something like this, we can actually go and just restore the files to their previous version to recover from that. Um, I know that Dropbox does that for free. Um, so if you want something that's not totally encrypted, uh, that uh, would be cloud storage based, that would offer you something like that, Dropbox will do that. Well, and you know, one thing to kind of think about whenever you start talking about encryption, just to let people know, encryption involves a password. You're going to have a password that's going to encrypt this. Now, you can go through all these encryption processes sometimes, and if your password is password, <laughs> um, it's pretty much useless. So, you know, as much as some people may not like it, you really do need to be thinking about how do you make these passwords, um, you know, don't make it password one, don't make it A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know, and things like this. So um, ultimately your security is good as you're willing to secure it. All right. Hey, it's time for another quick break. When we return, we'll continue our discussion about the cloud and continue looking for your personal tech questions. The number to call if you'd like to join our conversation is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 
672-7464 or email the show everydaytech at mpbonline.org. So stay tuned. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. business requires smart decisions every day. Make a good decision for your company today and reach MPB listeners through MPB program underwriting. For more information, go to mpbonline.org/underwriting. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. And welcome back to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here, sitting in for Michelle McAdoo this week. And I'm here with our tech experts, Wilts Cotrer and Jeremy Thompson, uh, who's joining us via Skype. If you're just joining us today, the topic is the cloud. So if you'd like to be part of our conversation with questions about the cloud or your personal tech question, you can give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show. It's everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Couple of questions, and again, I'm I'm sitting in for Michelle, so um, I I I'm not on the high end of the tech scale, and I'm not a complete uh, noob. But um, anyway, uh, I saw the movie The Circle uh, with Tom Hanks, one of my favorite actors. A little disappointed in the movie, but that's for another show discussion. Uh, but uh, there was a scene where they're in some room, and, and so I'm I'm want, my question is, what is the cloud? And I, and I picture in my mind this giant like factory with just endless servers is is that is the cloud basically a, a a giant group of servers basically am i am i on the right track there you're definitely i think on the right track uh the size of it kind of depends on is it a private cloud a public cloud if you're talking about uh, it's actually kind of cool if you if you ever follow google maps you can actually go to their website and they actually have a tour going through one of their data centers that's just like going down the street of a road and that's exactly what it is uh it's can be rows and rows and rows of racks full of storage and processing power, and it can really be a behemoth, especially when you're talking about the Amazons, the Microsofts, the uh, the Googles of the world. Uh, whereas you could come to you know my server room over here in Jackson, and it consists of three small racks full of equipment, communications equipment, and everything else. So it really depends on the... Uh, the service, but if you're talking about, you know, and again, you're probably talking about Netflix is going to be a huge bank of storage. Think about what it takes to serve all of that. Um, but yeah, you're definitely on the right track. Like I said, if anyone is really curious, I would encourage you do the uh, the Google Maps tour of the Google Data Center, and, and it's kind of neat and it can kind of be kind of awe inspiring in a nerdy kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you uh, if you just Google Google Data Center tour, uh, you can do what I'm doing right now, which is touring a Google Data Center. This is really cool. It is kind of um, cool, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's massive. Oh my gosh! Like, okay, so yeah, like Will said, I mean, it could be uh, a little box in your house, or it can be uh, a whole building, uh, size of a football field, possibly larger. I can't even really tell how big this place is from the uh, from the tour here. Uh, I know just our one of our spaces that we actually rent some space at for data centers at work 
is definitely larger than a football field. So they can definitely get huge. Um, but then going all the way back to this, now this does not mean that it escapes the, the consumer as well. You mentioned like a box. For example, there's a um, Western Digital, a common maker of hard drives, makes a little um, little quote-unquote cloud device that you can like, pick up in a box store for you know, a couple hundred bucks. And its idea is that you plug it into your network at the house and you can put like all your files on there. So say it's music files, movie files. Uh, documents, anything that you would normally store on a computer can be put there so that one, two, three, ten, or twenty people can access them at the same time. So the cloud is actually moving down into the household as well. Uh, we have a caller on the line, so we will go back to the phones and invite Wilma from Memphis into our conversation this morning. Good morning, Wilma. Go ahead, please. Good, good morning. I've got a problem. About two weeks ago, my desktop died. The young man that periodically works on my computer's suggested I go on and get a laptop. I have a large monitor that I really like, so he got a pigtail and hooked up the large monitor and also my keyboard, and it's worked fine until last night. Now when I turn on the monitor, it says, I'll I'll read it to you. Of course, now it won't come on. Something along the lines of no signal? Here it comes. Hold on. It says, input signal not found. Check the video cable and video source. I have unplugged and replugged every little thing there is to unplug, and still nothing. Okay. So, uh, actually, there's uh, maybe a couple of buttons on your laptop that you need to press to actually get it to output to an external monitor. Is this Windows 10? Yes, it is. Okay. All right. So, on your laptop, if you'll just flip it open there and look at it for us. I got um, it open. All right. Look up on the top row. There are the F keys. Yes. One of them, there's going to be one that looks like uh, it's going to be a little rectangle, and then we'll have another rectangle sitting on top of it, or it could be a computer and then a rectangle behind it, something like that. If okay, you hold the function. One that's kind of a rectangle with a line on each side of it. I don't, that might be it, but w- try. Holding the function key, that's the little FN key that's going to be on, it's probably in the bottom corner of your keyboard. Now, this is going to be on the laptop keys itself. I've got the laptop open. Okay. There'll be a key that says FN, that stands for function, and then up there on that top row, you're going to hold that that key, and then you're going to hit the one with the rectangles on it, and if your computer is on, it should pass that signal to your monitor. If that's okay, not working, it, it, and it came up with a, a picture on the screen and the, the day's date, so push the rectangle. Huh? And the function key at the same time. Oh, at the same time. You can hold the function key and then press the other one. You. Just... Okay, now it, it came up and it says Wilma Davis sign in. Okay, now do you see anything on the other monitor yet? Uh, yes, it says this, it has the same thing on the big monitor. So okay, you see so the now same picture? I'm sorry, what? You can see the same thing on both monitors? Correct. You see your name? Okay. All right, so we've got it displaying. Now, are you trying to uh, have a second display? You don't want it mirrored? You want it showing something different? I No, no. It, it's it's my regular, uh, whatever you call it, wallpaper with my okay. icons on it on both screens. Okay, now, and that's I what you want. If right? I close the, out the laptop, though, then the monitor is going to go blank. Right. So now what we got to do is go in and adjust your power settings. So go ahead and log into your account. 
Oh, okay. I was, my account. Oh, yeah, just go ahead and get into Sign the computer. In. Yeah. And then uh, down there by your clock. Okay. You're going to see. Time, uh, okay. And you're going to see a little icon that looks like a, a battery. Yes, or a, I think. So it's fully charged 100%. There you go. You're going to right-click that, and you're going to go to your power settings. Power options. Hmm. Windows Mobility Center. And what you're going to do is look for the option that says change what happens when I close the lid. Uh, well, my choices are adjust screen brightness, power options, or Windows Mobility Center. Okay, go to power options. Okay. Right. And then I, um, I clicked on that. And okay, what, oh, okay. Now it says choose or customize a power plan. A power plan is a collection of hardware okay. and systems. Look over on the left-hand side of that window. Is there an option that says change what closing the lid does? Change when the computer sleeps. How's that? Let's see. Uh, there should be another one that says choose what closing the lid does. Okay, yes, choose what closing the lid does. Boom. Click on that. Okay. Oh, and then, then you're going to be... When I press yeah. the power button, sleep. The third option says when I close the lid... And Correct. I'm plugged in. And it's over to the one that says plugged in. It and says say, on battery plugged in, and both choices are sleep. What do I click? Click it and tell it to do nothing. Do and nothing. Make sure that on, mm. on both places. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I wouldn't that. recommend doing it on your battery now because I, uh, you could kill your battery. I did battery and plugged in. Well, that's all right, but it, it may kill your battery. Uh, now, what you want to do is go to the bottom down there and click on Save Changes. I got it. And now close that lid. Close the lid. All right. Uh, well, I think we got you well on the way there. Uh, if you uh, have some additional trouble, you could send an email or give us a call back next Wednesday. But it sounds like Jeremy's got you on the right path to uh, getting that solved. So that was kind of cool. We had some uh, some uh, tech uh, so support going on there right here during the show. That's um, how we do it. That's right. And that's there. why we're on the air, to help uh, help folks out with problems just like that. Uh, we've got another caller. We're going to move on. Uh, stay in Memphis, actually, on the phones. Bill's called in now. Bill, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Google Docs, Google Sheets, some other Google products all on the cloud, and especially Google Sheets. If I have any kind of a spreadsheet, it's extremely slow. It takes a long time to load. And I'm hoping that you can give me an idea on what I can do to speed it up. Okay. So you're, if we understand your problem correctly, your, your Google Documents load slowly. They load slowly, and I can't even enter something in a cell for some time, you know, okay. before I get that blinking cursor that tells me okay. the cell is available. So what kind of Internet connection do you have at home? It's, uh, it's called Xfinity. It's the Comcast uh, cable. Okay. All right. All right. So it sounds like your Internet connection is more than capable of handling this. Uh, what browser are you using? I use Google um, Chrome. Google Chrome. Okay. And uh, what operating system? Windows 10? Yes. Okay. And um, what, what about how old is your computer? Uh, over three. 
for three years. Okay. Um, that's, I mean, if it's within three years, it should still handle that just fine. Um, it, whether you use uh, Google Chrome or you use Edge or possibly Firefox, are the results the same? I have not attempted to uh, switch I, to uh, uh, Mozilla or um, what, what was you know, Edge. I have not done that. Very strange to me that, that you would have an issue with Google's own system on Chrome, but it's always possible that there could be a corrupted installation or something. So if you try it with Firefox or Edge and it works better, um, I would recommend trying to uninstall Chrome or possibly install an update for Chrome, and that might be the source of your issue. Okay, worth a shot. All right. Hey, Bill, thanks uh, for your call. We need to take one final break this hour. When we come back from the break, we'll continue our discussion about the cloud and also looking for your personal tech issues that need solving. Join the conversation with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 or email the show at everydaytech at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. like to thank Daniel, Coker, Horton, and Bell and the Mississippi Healthcare Alliance for underwriting MPB programs. Your company can be an underwriter, too. Find out more. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting to find out how. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. And welcome back to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here this week sitting in for Michelle McAdoo, and I'm here with Jeremy Thompson via Skype and Wilts uh, Contreras, our text experts. If you miss any of the program or just want to hear past episodes, you can find uh, episodes of entire shows at mpbonline.org slash everydaytech. It's also available on the MPB public media app. If you download that for your smartphone, uh, you can listen to MPB Think Radio on your schedule. Uh, we've got some callers to get to, but one question I had, and that is, who backs up the cloud? The individual provider, okay. whoever the provider would be. And and especially if you're putting something in there that's kind of um, especially business crucial, that would be definitely a question you want to ask before you get into, say, contractual negotiations with them of how they're going to do that. You know, For us at work, I mean, I'm responsible for making sure that we're backed up um, if you're talking about your your public providers and everything, that's something you definitely want to kind of look into. And you have to actually usually look into that thing that a lot of us ignore, and that is that end-user license agreement. Whenever you're signing up, you know, the thing that says, hey, do you agree to all of this? Sometimes they'll tell you in there, but it should be that particular provider. So, um, you know, in the case of, say, like an Amazon or anyone else, they would typically be responsible for that. You'd want to find out what their policy is on that. Um, and another interesting thing you're talking about backing up, but you have something else that goes in there called versioning. Um, Microsoft will do this. I know Google will do this. And that is, uh, you know, kind of going back before we were talking about like an Excel spreadsheet. Well, you know, over time you change those sheets. And what happens if you make a change and you're like, oops, I need to go back. Um, versioning is also a, a, a backup of sorts. And that is you can go back to your previous version of that. So that would be another question you'd want to ask. All right. Uh, 
one slight addition to that. Uh, the cloud also sort of backs itself up. Um, because of the way the, the software uh, that is set up on these devices goes, uh, like I said, it was backed up on multiple drives, even possibly to multiple sites. Most of this is an automated process. So really what the engineers get notified of is when there's a drive that goes out on this server that needs to be replaced, they go and they fix that drive, and then the server just writes the same data to that drive for the sake of security. All right. Back to the phone lines we go, off to Mobile. Mikey is on the line. Good morning, Mikey. Thanks for calling. Hey, thank you. You guys just uh, probably answered some of the part of my question here. Um, uh, I'm looking for a new phone, and I'm trying to decide what kind of phone wandering around out here in the land of phones, which has gotten pretty um, vast. Uh, first of all, does, can the cloud connect through a phone to a camera security system, residential, and if it does, how long will it last if the power fails, for example, like the, a storm such as our neighbors, our close neighbors, and we are about to get? So um, a part of your question, uh, how long does it last? As soon as your Internet connection is cut, it's gone. Um, so if it's a, back, if it's a cloud-based service like Nest, uh, then you get nothing. So, so I it can't come through the phone. The cloud can't come through the phone at all. I mean, you could set your connection up to uh, to tether through your phone, but that would be both expensive and inefficient. Uh, most expensive and inefficient. In inefficient. Yeah, cellu cellular for um, doing things such as video, which is basically what a, you know a, yeah, that type of security system would heavily rely on. Uh, Cellular is just so expensive per gig, basically, of downloading. You would end up, um, you'd end up eating up your data very quickly with uh, with live video off of a security system. I see. One of okay. the thing, so, one of the thing I want to caution you of with the cloud services is uh, they usually only store your data for as many days as you pay them for. So, for example, like with Nest, you can pay them ten dollars a month, and they'll store back ten days. But you don't get to see those ten days after those days have expired. It's just ten, the ten most previous days. So, if you have to be away from your house for uh, three or more days, then ten days is the maximum. That's fine. You can also, if you needed more days, you can pay them up for up to thirty days. But once you've paid for that footage, I think you should be able to to have it. But you don't. It's it's gone after that. It's like a DVR. It just overwrites the old footage every time. But it is possible to get it through a phone. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, as far as uh, tuning into the the feed of the camera, yes. And what type of phone would you would you most highly recommend? You, there will be apps that are compatible with both iPhone and Android. It's entirely based on your preference. All right, Mikey, we always appreciate your call. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with uh, Jeremy Thompson via Skype and Wilts Couture, our tech experts. Still some time left to work in a phone call if you have a cloud-related question or just a question about uh, your personal tech. Uh, and so let's go next. By the way, the phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven. 672-7464. We're off to Horn Lake for our next call, and David is on the line. Good morning, David. Go ahead, please. Uh, good morning. I got a question, but when I ask it, I want you to fall out of your chairs. Okay. <laughs> I'm an Internet virgin. I, I don't own a computer. I've never, sent, I've never been on Facebook, so I've never sent a tweet or anything. My question to you is, can you recommend a book 
or a service for Internet virgins or Internet dummies. <laughs> I'm a crusty old dinosaur. I'm trying to get in the 21st century. <laughs> Can you help me well, out? Well, now, I will give you one one thing that immediately popped in my mind whenever you mentioned that, and that is, um, and especially in your area, I know y'all got some good ones up there. One thing to think about is a lot of times at your local library, mm-hmm. they will actually run um, different classes, and it's specifically meant for that exact thing to kind of give somebody a, a, an introduction. Uh, that's one thing I'm, I'm really, I've always been very impressed with our library system here in Mississippi. There's a lot of... Uh, free options there that they're trying to actually get people to actually understand and be able to use that technology. That might be a good way to kind of, um, you know, introduce you to it without it being just totally overwhelming. That, that'd be my initial thought, Jeremy. Uh-huh. Um, I, I don't have any resources specifically. I know that sometimes the best biology classes, but I think that's mostly for Max. I was also going to suggest the library, but I just wanted to commend you. Because it, it, it takes a lot of guts, and it's really hard to say, I don't know how to use these things. I, I've never used them, but I'm ready to try. And you've got a lot of resources out there that can help you. Uh, so if you go to the library, um, learning how to Google things, Google can teach you a lot. Google has taught me most of what I know and what I reiterate on this show. Um, YouTube is another great source of information. Um, there, there are definitely some people out there that can help you, but make sure that you get somebody that is patient with you and that that understands that you're new to it and needs needs to be very, very delicate with you because it's it's very important as you begin this journey that that it's handled properly because we want you to like technology. Yeah, and I'm just looking. I'm just kind of doing a really quick flip through of the. Um... The Horn Lake Public Library right there near you, and it looks like you've got a very, um, very active group there that does look like they do. I'm not seeing anything specifically on the computer side of things, but as active as they are, I'd be really, really surprised if you were to give them a ring and they did not have something there for you. I mean, there's a, yeah, that, that seems like a very, very active library. You're going to be in very good hands with them, and I think that would be, like I said, and for a lot of our listeners too, there's so many resources we forget. Libraries, um, are not just books. There's so much more going out there, and they really do give back to our community. I know, Kevin, you got a, a personal link in That's with right. some of that as well, and uh, it, it's just it's a wonderful resource. All right, David, thanks for the call, and let me echo what Jeremy said. Props to you for trying to to figure things out. Uh, you know, it, it, it's I, and I would say that to anybody. You know, it's not going to go back. It, we're pressing forward, and and things are going to move forward with technology. So, uh, props to you for trying to to figure out things and 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 join in on it. And again, the library would be great if they've got the classes that can help you out. That would be good. But also, again, too, there are librarians there that know what's in the collection, and so they could, uh, prop, uh, you know, maybe show you some resources, some books that you could uh, look at to help uh, understand uh, uh, technology. So. so- some of the uh, the four dummies books would probably be great, and I'm sure that the library is just packed out with those. There's going to be one for phones. There's going to be one for computers. Uh, those will definitely help him in his journey. And again, it, you know, it, it no one is going to teach you this stuff. You're just going to gain the confidence to show yourself. All right, That's very what good. I learned when it comes to teaching people. All right, that's going to wrap us up for today. Thanks to our board operator, Java Chapman, and our phone screener, Lori Thompson. If you missed part of the show or want to hear past episodes, go to our website at mpbonline.org or subscribe to our podcast. So for Wilts Cotrera and Jeremy Thompson, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned. Southern Remedy is up next. We'll be back next week for another episode of Everyday Tech at 10 o'clock, only on MPB Think Radio.